Number six for Boise State is 5'8", 182 pounds, C.T. Thomas against Janarius Robinson, who's 6'5", 261. And you're putting the you're, you're you're betting on Janarius Robinson with that size to cover a guy like that who's 5'8", 182 pounds. That's just silly, silly, stupid. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Nose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live. Go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, Nose fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go Nose. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan from Hear the Spear, presented to you by Noel Game Day. We have an interesting podcast for sure, uh, looking back at the Boise State game where Florida State lost its season opener, 36-31. And then we're going to go on and talk about a little bit of practice as what's going on this week and some updates there, and then move on to previewing Florida State versus Louisiana and Monroe. Uh, As always, guys, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud or any other platforms uh, you desire. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter at, at Hear the Spear. Uh, but for right now, I'm going to go ahead and introduce you guys to my two co hosts, our lead writer, Dustin Lewis, and our lead graphic designer, Fisher Adkins. Good evening, you guys. It's 10 30 at night. Thank you guys for keeping me up this late on a school night. Happy to be here. <laughs> it's only 9 30 for me, so. Yeah, everything's better for you, right? Doesn't affect me too much. Yeah. Right. Except the education. Mm-hmm. Bro. Step, step back across that line, man. <laughs> gotta, gotta, gotta get it in, Goober. This is a oh. fine <laughs> Man, you... you Dustin gotta... came through with it. That wasn't me. <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and move on. Yeah, we'll get to it. All right, so... If you haven't yet, you can go listen back to our instant reaction. Uh, we recorded that on Sunday, uh, right after uh, the game on Saturday. We looked back, gave our instant reaction thoughts, uh, didn't have a lot of time to think too much on it. Um, but now, after a couple days, uh, I just want to get y'all's thoughts, and I'll also give mine too. But now you've had about two days to sit back and you know Florida State now is starting the season once again 0 and 1 uh and now there's a lot of conversation on Twitter and everywhere about Willie Taggart, definitely Harlan Barnett, but there's a lot of conversation about Willie Taggart at the moment um and how long he can maybe last here. Uh but I want to get y'all's thoughts now a couple of days after the Boise State game. Yeah, I mean Honestly, I, I don't feel a lot better about it. I've I've watched the game over a few times, and I mean it's still it's still disheartening every, every time you watch it. I mean the defense 
never had an answer for Boise State throughout the game. The offense showed those signs to get us believing, and then it all got taken away in the second half. So really this this week is about Florida State trying to build on that first half and, and making that the entire game, which is kind of something we talked about on Sunday and the instant reaction. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what Florida State puts out on the field on Saturday and seeing them play a consistent 60 minutes. Yeah, and I'll just kind of kind of give my thoughts on where I'm at now is with the game. Um, still just super disappointed with the result. Uh, still extremely discouraged. To, to see what this team did in the first half compared to um, how flat they fell in their face in the second half. Um, I, I haven't totally lost confidence for this season. Uh, this definitely changes you know, how well you can do as far as win totals go. Uh, some people kind of had this team as potentially a 9-3 and three, uh, regular season team, and, and I just don't see that as a possibility at all anymore. Uh, I think eight wins is still in the realm of possibility if a lot of things can get fixed quickly. Um, but if they can't, I mean, it's a slippery slope to six and six, five and seven again. Um, a real potential of this team trying to scrape and claw back into a bowl game if things don't get fixed fast. But um, there were a lot of good things about about the game against Boise State. A lot of positives that you can take away. But um, like I said, more negatives than positives, which is ultimately why they lost the game. And uh, things that you know you can fix. Um, things that you can fix right now. Uh, they're not deficits that you have to uh, overcome just through time, kind of like last year with the offensive line. They are tangible things, as, as more so on defense, that you can fix just as far as alignment goes and, and tackling goes and um, y- you know knowing more and more how to play that 3-4 defense. So um, discouraged still just at how they handle the second half, but I haven't totally lost confidence, or I guess hope I should say, about uh, how well this team can perform in 2018. 2019, excuse me. If we're going back to 2018, that's even scarier to think of. Sorry. Maybe. <laughs> You're going to make people <laughs> freak out. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> uh, Maybe. And I don't, I don't like bringing this kind of stuff up. I mean, it's it's second year for a head coach. But do you think the conversation now on Twitter, it's all over it. I mean, it's every time you refresh, it's something about Willie Taggart. But do you think it's a little over-exaggerated about, you know, this is – if he keeps falling apart like this. He, he has to be gone. Even though Florida State, per money-wise, can't do this right now. But do you think it's a little over-exaggerated for him being coming in as a second year, Dustin? Yeah, I, w- I mean, I would say so. Uh, if you if you think about it, I mean, the, the Florida State administration isn't looking at Twitter to get their opinions on Taggart. I mean, they're, they're going to they're gonna be a lot more even-keeled about this situation than the uh, – average fan would so i'm sure the administration is telling them not to worry about the backlash they're getting right now they're going to stick with taggart and they're going to see how this process plays out i mean if you look at it he's really only had two of his recruiting classes come in he hasn't cycled out all of jimbo's fisher's players and i mean just just thinking back to saturday who were the guys we were talking about that were uh making the mistakes Jimbo Fisher's players that he brought in. We're, we were talking about Dontavious Jackson, Levante Taylor had, had some mistakes. Stanford Samuel had some mistakes. And just a lot of guys from the Fisher regime. So it's really the guys that Taggart had brought in that have energized the program and that were making plays on the offense. I mean, you saw Keyshawn Helton catch a long pass. 
Warren Thompson, obviously. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, going forward, I think Taggart's guys have to be the ones that are going to be in if he's going to stick around. He's got to play the young guys. I, I think I think the reaction of the fan base after Saturday was just totally going off of emotions. Um, once again, we have a lot. We had a lot of expectations for the season opener uh, and to get a win. And I think when that didn't happen, people just let the emotions get the best of them. Logan, like you said, Florida State's in no financial position to, to fire Coach Tiger at all. But even even if they did have the money, it, it, there's no rationale to to believe that Coach Tiger doesn't deserve at least three full seasons to try to turn this around. I mean, uh, uh, there's very few coaches who found immediate success within. Uh, their first three seasons, even even Dabo Sweeney at Clemson took them you know, three years just to get ten wins at, at Clemson. So um, I, I was walking out of the stadium on Saturday, and, and I heard somebody behind me go, "If I'm Thrasher, I'm walking into the locker room right now and saying you're fired. I'll pay whatever I have to pay to get you fired." And, and like I said, that's just, it's totally just going off of emotion. So mm-hmm. um, there there were a lot of young guys that that Taggart brought in. Jaleel McRae is kind of a guy that sticks out in my mind who who kind of flashed and. Akeem Dent and, and uh, Taggart. I mean, this team is already better than last year. James Blackman said in his in his press conference, when, when did they ever put up 31 points and a half last year? So you've already seen tangible uh, proof that this team has gotten better. They're just not there yet. And, and so it's it's there's just no rationale to believe that, that he should be fired. Mm-hmm. I know Willie Taggart and a lot of the staff also mentioned that this team also just doesn't know how to finish a game and they just forgot how to win. Um, and that's something that they have to work on. But whenever you look at the positive parts of it in that first half, we I know I was and with my dad next to me, and uh, I know in the crude chat with us talking and the Noel Game Day chat with everybody there with the team, and we were like, what is happening? <laughs> we were like, holy smokes. Uh, yeah. This is not even going to be close. This is yeah. feeling a little bit like, uh, 2013, where you're you're already won the game in the first quarter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there there was a lot of positives that come came with it. I want to get y'all's thoughts on a few guys that maybe flash for you or maybe some plays. Uh, you know, to get on the positive side of things. Uh, just guessing if Florida State does have a great game against ULM next weekend, what flash do you guys uh, positively? Well, yeah, just kind of like I mentioned before the. The long catches from both Helton and Thompson just showing that Bryles really wants to get them involved in the offense moving forward alongside, obviously, star receiver Tamorion Terry. And then I thought I thought James Blackman looked extremely well back there at quarterback, especially in the first half when he had the, the bulk of his production. He was he was reading the field. I mean, you could you could visibly watch him look to the right side of the field see the reads not there and then scan back across the field and throw it over to the left side. So he was really doing a good job finding his reads in the defense, which is kind of something I thought Francois struggled with a lot last year and it led to some turnovers and then just briefly touching over to the defense. How about Amari Gaynor? I mean, I think it was, it was either late in the first quarter or in the second quarter, but he came off a blitz on a passing play and just leveled (laughs) Bachmeyer. I mean, yeah. his helmet popped off, I think, on that player. Damn near did. Yeah. That that was interesting. I thought Amari Gaynor, I'll agree with you there, Dustin. Um, Amari Gaynor flashed, and he, he looked good. He, he's better than, of course, the other DNs uh, in coverage for sure. Um, he, yeah. was, he was looking very nice. He's yeah. just faster. <laughs> That's a whole conversation. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, I don't want to piss off anybody and Jeez. think about that. But uh, yeah, once I first saw, I know we're getting, nope, nope, we're still on the Pezzo side. We'll get to that in a second. We don't have that noted here, but we'll get to that. We actually need to note that. That was a big topic on Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, Amari Gaynor looked uh, really nice in coverage. I believe it was a touchdown pass that he had deflected uh, in the end zone there in the corner. Uh, he played good. I want to, and I think the pass rush in general during that first half, I thought that quarterback wasn't going to last for more uh, than like three more series. I mean, he was getting annihilated. Uh, I, it was pretty much 24-7 Marvin Wilson coming through. Um, but, I mean, Janarius Robinson had some had a pretty decent game, too, until he started cramping up. Um, but a J-Rob looked very nice. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I agree, too. Carlos Becker had uh, two sacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came through. After, He's... I'm pretty sure he didn't, he didn't play last season. He was injured and out for all 2018, so... What a way to come back, right? The exactly. first two sacks of his career. Extremely athletic. He comes from track and field and long jump. Very long, um, and he, he flashed for sure. Uh, like really good coming off the edge. Yeah, no. And, that, and we'll wait till the negatives come. <laughs> uh, and I'm trying to think on my end, too, about some positives here. Um, I do think James Blackman did have a, have a, had a nice game. I think he kind of got a little – I wanted to do it quick. It was a little rattled again at the second half just because play con was all over the place and things weren't clicking their way and he was trying to do some stuff, try to get some energy flowing, but it wasn't there. Um, but he, he had a very solid game, and I don't understand on Twitter why people are wanting to put in Hornybrook or whatever. I mean, <laughs> sorry, but you need to watch football. <laughs> that's that's unbelievable to me, but that's a whole other conversation. But go ahead, Fisher. I'll let you go with some people that flash to you. Yeah, so I actually got – a bunch of names kind of in my head floating around of guys that just because as I kind of like went back and watched it that that kind of jumped off the screen to me uh, and I'll go ahead and start with James Blackman like y'all both mentioned uh, that first half he looked really poised and, and really made a lot of good decisions and, and um, didn't just rely on the deep ball I mean he was really making reads and, and looking at the defense and taking what the defense gave him that time at, at times and it would result in 10, 11, 12 yards and, and I think the play that we're probably all thinking of is uh, a play where uh, he dropped back and, and the, the O-line blocked well and uh, looked deep at first and, and pump faked and then looked to his second guy and he wasn't there and he looked back to his third receiver which was Keith Gavin and, and had a really nice re- uh, reception uh, to Keith Gavin. Just a play that stood out and really kind of showed his maturity as, as, a, as a quarterback just his ability to really read the field which is something that you didn't get a whole lot with, with James Blackman. So um, we definitely saw him press in the second half and, and really just try to force plays, I think, at times. Uh, kind of went away from, um, you know, what was working for them, just maybe just kind of panicking and not panicking, but uh, I think just trying to force force throws. And Anyway, he, he had a good first half, so it was happy to see what he can do when he's uh, when the offense is, is going. Um, I thought Cam Akers had a nice day. Um, I thought that he, for the most part, I thought that he uh, – was a lot more patient, and I thought that he trusted the offensive line a little bit more, uh, which uh, allowed uh, him to hit some holes, uh, holes that last year he didn't because he, he didn't trust him, and he, and he tried to kind of play uh, just for allowing his athleticism. So I, I thought that he kind of came a, a long way sort of in, in his ability to stay patient. Uh, like you all said, Thompson, Thompson Helton uh, really tracked those deep balls well, looked really good. Um, Tamorian Terry just – like I said, we, we know what he is, did what he did on the 75-yarder. Kind of disappeared after that, but uh, we'll get to that later. And then um, 
I thought uh, DJ Matthews was DJ Matthews. Just showed his elusiveness, especially uh, on one run, uh, kind of where he turned a gain of, of two or three yards into a gain of about 10 yards. Um, mm-hmm. Most guys wouldn't be able to do what he can do. And that punt return, at the end of the game, I, at first I was saying, no, 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 no. And then <laughs> actually turned into a nice return there at the end. Um, and then I, th- I thought uh, the offensive line played well uh, pretty much up until Brady Scott went down. I thought Brady Scott played really well until his injury. I thought Ryan Roberts um, played pretty well in that first half. I-, I thought Dante Lucas had a really encouraging start as a true freshman, first ever against uh, one of the better defensive lines that they're going to play all year. Um, he made mistakes, obviously, like any true freshman would, but overall really pleased with, with his first start there. And uh, Babyon Johnson, um, good at times. At other times, he just got whipped. Um, but that's his first start as well. So, uh, encouraging Plus he had there. a few bad snaps. He, he did. I honestly, the, the, the one bad snap, it looked like James Blackman just kind of dropped it. Like, I don't know that it was a great snap, but I think it was catchable. And then the second one, it was just miscommunication. So I don't know that he necessarily had bad snaps, but he can definitely uh, tighten it up a little bit. Um, Jawan Williams, oh man, there were a couple times where I watched the film where I just started laughing, uh, looking at his technique and his footwork. Uh, on like the last play of the game, he's like jogging backwards. He's like waddling, and I just, I mean, he, he got in front of his guy, and he he was looked like he was trying his best, but just the guys are still not there. But, I mean, compared to what we saw last year, much improved. Um, that's a lot of guys, and that's only offense. On defense, <laughs> um, sorry, I'm talking a lot. No, but, no you, had a, you had some notes. Uh, you did some preparation. Anyway, um, so I'll kind of move on to the defense a little bit. Like you all said, Amar Gaynor uh, showed a lot, of, a lot of great flashes and really got to the quarterback. Carlos Becker, super excited to see that guy make an impact. Um, Brendan Gant, that dude can um, – he likes to hit – <laughs> uh, and he, he had a couple nice ones uh, in the game on Saturday. Excited to see that guy kind of work into the into the defense a little bit more. Jaleel McCray, I, I thought, was impressive as a true freshman as well. He was not afraid to uh, put his nose in there and, and hit somebody as well. Uh, Corey Durden looked like a beast at times. Um, guys were just on their heels. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, here's a guy that I thought was probably the best player on the field all day. Homsa Nazaldeen. Yeah. That that guy, I, like I, I mean, if everyone played like Hampson Nazaldine, yeah. you'd have a pretty good defense. I mean, the way that he reacted, and if, if I mean, Boise State probably broke off at least two 30-yard runs if he didn't make the plays that he did. So um, He's a great I, tackler. Yeah, I rattled off a ton of names there. That was a lot. but <laughs> That just um, shows you that there, there's a lot of positive. It just happens yeah. to be in the first half of a yeah. football game. So, but it yeah. kind of... It shows. Just add in quickly to one of your vast points, Fisher. I, uh, <laughs> going back, going back to Acres. Yeah. Uh, just looking over the game, I really thought his vision was improved. Not not to mention his confidence in that offensive line. But taking some of those carries in the backfield, he had the vision to cut back to the right, which uh, I think that was in in the second quarter, and it ended up getting him 15 yards out of what would have been two if he would have kept going to his left. So yeah. I think that's another development in his game that we're going to see throughout his junior season, just his vision and his natural football IQ taking over yeah. with a little a little bit better blocking in front of him. Yeah. Mm. And and he looked good in, in uh, 
in uh, pass blocking too. There were, there were a couple times where he bailed the offensive line out. Yeah, uh, picking yeah. up a couple. That dude's guys. big. Yeah, yeah. No, Cam's He's physical. Big boy. Yeah. yeah, no, there was. I was watching just during watching the game too. I was watching and block for Blackman because there'd be a guy coming around the edge and he'd have to be there to help him out, or he, Blackman yeah. would have been dead. But one thing about Blackman too, and we'll move on to the next topic here in a second. But one thing about Blackman in that offensive line is that he does trust them quite a bit because there's some guys that are flying right around him, and Blackman's still sitting there in the pocket, or he'll pull up, which Francois did not do last year. Um, you can go back and look at film on it, but he Francois did not want to do that. Blackman will pull up, and he's pretty relaxed, and he'll stay reading. Uh, but the offensive line as a whole, I was like, okay, Florida State has a pretty average, if not a, a decent offensive line right now for Blackman to throw. I mean, he would have time and time, which you never saw that last year. So, yeah. I mean, of course it's in the first half, and maybe this whole thing is, which we'll get to it now, maybe this whole thing was these guys aren't in shape, Guys were cramping most definitely in the second half. I mean, this is a huge topic on Twitter right now. The media is loving it. Um, and they can't stop asking questions about it, so I think we should talk about it. But um, it seems, I mean, we saw it. Boise State, I don't know if you guys remember. Do you? Did you remember seeing any Boise State players go down with cramps? Nope. Okay. Nope. <laughs> okay, I think they were regular injuries. So, um uh, Florida State was dropping like flies, and <laughs> I remember Boise State. They said that they were what spraying themselves during the uh, fall practice with water, and they turned up the heat in their IPF. Um, but Florida State was dropping like flies. Daenerys Robinson was getting cramps. It was scary at times because some of these cats uh, were looked like they really hurt themselves. Uh, but then again, then it would turn into a cramp, um, and I, I would just want to get y'all's thoughts on that, and you know how big of a deal this is now, because Florida State's getting made fun of on social media that they're not they're not drinking water before games. It's gonna be it's projected to be ninety like at least ninety five at least ninety five at five o'clock next Saturday against Louisiana Louisiana Monroe. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's going to be hot as hell. <laughs> um, so just y'all give me y'all's thoughts on that because it's just a big hit on Twitter. And Florida State, it's, maybe that was a big problem with them. Maybe it got lazy because they were just worn out. Yeah, I mean, what else can you do but just really laugh at that? I mean, that's, that's just kind of, uh, it's hilarious to me because of just how, embarrassing it is for i don't know for for that to even that shouldn't even be a question i mean it's week one of the the damn season and we're talking about is the team in shape is the team hydrated like it's week one of the season and i know we mentioned it on the last podcast that and and the uh the game preview podcast as well that we thought the heat would be a big factor in this game we thought boise state would be affected by the heat and Honestly, like you, you mentioned it a second ago, Logan, <laughs> them spraying themselves with water, turning up their heat in the IPF. I just thought it was some stupid gimmick, but it it must actually have some kind of effect. We need to be doing we need to be state. doing that for every practice right. moving forward. Yeah. And we also need to give everyone a giant crate of water to drink. I, I don't know if they're just eating salt out of cans or, or what, but <laughs> There shouldn't be anyone cramping in, in the first quarter of a college football game. No, it, it just and now I, I kind of go back to tweets that 
uh, our fan base, like fans, were tweeting about saying, "Ooh, we got Boise State now, noon, coming to Tallahassee. It's gonna be hot. We got them now." <laughs> yeah, were you? I said that. <laughs> so y'all two were tweeting all that mess, and then boom, 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 boom. We got dropping like flies. Florida State's guys are just like in deep pain can't handle it you know but i mean in my case i'll let fisher get to it but in my case the same you know we saw some great uh videos during the off season of them in the weight room i was tweeting them i was throwing out videos they were they were making progress guys were losing weight uh, guys were lifting more definitely for their weight class um and guys that were doing position changes like leonard warner uh and it just seems like it was all done there in the weight room, but not a lot of field work. Um, and Florida State does have a very nice nutrition staff from what I've heard and what people talk about uh, it. Uh, and it it's it's just interesting to me. You know, you got a team that's in, in Tallahassee. It is hot as a – if you live here, it's hot as a mother uh, at like 4 <laughs> o'clock, 3 o'clock. But, I mean, I it's like usually, a sunburn. Four yeah. o'clock. It's hot as a mother at eleven. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's hot. It just depends on if you can handle it like a man, Dustin. But um, <laughs> but it gets it's it's just it's hot. But I mean, playing high school here, I played here, I played all throughout high school. I mean, it is unbelievable. But we would stay, we would drink and all this kind of stuff. It just seemed like a lot of them were out of shape, and maybe that's what happened with them in the second half. And once your once your body starts losing that energy and stuff. It's really hard to stay with it mentally, uh, but go ahead, go ahead, Fisher. Uh, I mean, I don't love that. Like the nutrition staff is, people are coming at the nutrition staff now, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think is fair. Um, I, I'm, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm, I'm very positive Florida State has an excellent nutrition staff, and I'm sure they do a great job. And it's not like these guys are just like not drinking water. Um, so I don't think you should necessarily just come after the nutrition staff, but it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable that guys are as tired as they were and as cramped. I mean, I literally thought that Janaris Robinson. I thought there was like a sniper in one of the press boxes. Uh, Call of I Duty. Mean, and the the fact that like not a single boy state player went down with a cramp. Not a single. And so you're just scratching your head, and it's like, what's going on? And, and I mean, going back to Babyon Johnson's comment today, saying he wasn't prepared and, and he didn't really think anybody was prepared for that game. It's like, uh, it's, it's just it's just another list of problems wrong with really what this program has been in the past two years, where you're just scratching your head saying there's just there's just no reason for this. Um, so it uh, kind of just summed up the entire game on Saturday, honestly, for me. Um, <laughs> My question is. What is the, what's the purpose of, of Taggart even even bringing that up to the media? I mean, that's that's an instant L, no matter the way you want to spin it or or the way you want to talk about it. I mean, the media is just going to run rampant with that thing, and like we saw, it's made its way all the way over to ESPN making fun of Florida State again. So, yeah, honestly, I really think Taggart shouldn't shouldn't have said anything about it, and. I don't think any of the players should have said anything about it. <laughs> what in particular, in case nobody listened or heard about it, what did he say, or what was the rundown on what he said, Tustin? I mean, he was just kind of talking about how the team wasn't prepared for the game, 
and such in his interview. Uh, starting center Bavion Johnson is who we're talking about, by the way. Didn't say mm-hmm. it. Um, but it was just, I don't know, it was just kind of the way he was talking in his interview. He was laughing, smiling, and you know, after after getting your ass kicked like that, the last thing you should be doing is smiling in, in an interview. I know Freddie Stevenson commented on the tweet because someone, someone else said the same thing about Babyon. He shouldn't have that type of attitude after the result um, of Saturday's game. But Freddie said that's that's just kind of the way he is. That's his personality. But, man, you got to have your personality, and then you got to have your media personality. Like, put on a face. Mm-hmm. You got to go out there and, you know, act mad about what happened on Saturday against Boise State. You can't go laughing and joking around like, like it's not a big deal because, like we saw, people – Fans in particular, they'll they'll take that to heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they do. The rivals are all over it, all over it. Yeah, so it's just kind of like teaching teaching moments. I don't know. <laughs> yep. So hopefully, um, the players are having jugs of water in their hands in between classes and before their practices and after practices and before they go to bed. Um, it'll be interesting. It's going to be hotter than the game was against um, Boise, so we'll we'll see about that. That's, that's interesting to me. That's it's, it's almost concerning in some parts. Uh, and then last thing about Boise State, uh, the the best one here is having some defensive ends and some coverage. Uh, acting pretty much like DBs. So we're looking at Janarius Robinson. I, I need to look up some of these uh, weights here just to, just to kind of give you a thought on who's out there in coverage and some of these. <laughs> so we're looking at Janarius Robinson. Uh, as you know, I mean, if you follow Florida State, you know how big he is already, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you just to put it in your head. He's 6'5", 261 pounds. Uh, and Janaris Robinson is probably going to is covering what maybe 220 pound guys, 200 pound guys uh, in space, and it's not working. Uh, who else was out there? Was Kando? I Kendo. believe Kando was out there too. Kendo. They're pretty much the same build, pretty much. They literally weigh almost the same, uh, maybe one pounds more than the other, but they're pretty much six. They're both six five, two sixty in that range, uh, and they're out there in coverage. And after a while, it was pretty much like, when are you going to learn that that's not working whatsoever? And this is this is what coming into this season i predicted it i talked on another podcast about it and i talked about this one too the main concern for me was how this defense was going to work and how barnett was going to do it like three four four three what's going on where are you going to put your guys in situations where they're going to work the best um and that was a huge concern i was pretty excited about the offense but the defense had a lot of question marks to me but i just don't know they got to figure out. Hopefully, it's a lot of alignment things and guys where they need to be. But the defensive ends covering uh, sometimes even wide receivers is just not going to work uh, in this defense. Go ahead and give me y'all's thoughts on that. Yeah, in the the first half, I I really liked what we saw out of the three four for the most part. I mean, obviously not with the way the defensive backs are coming down the, down the field, and not with the way. Florida State was defending the run, but with the way they were actually getting to uh, Hank Bachmeyer in the uh, pass rush. But in the second half, I thought Boise State adjusted and they used their their tight end to create that mismatch against Kando and Robinson in coverage. And it led to, I remember two, two instances in particular where 
I'm pretty sure Boise State's tight end beat it was it was both of them. Both of them got burned on separate occasions. So Boise State's tight end John Bates beat both of them probably by about ten yards or so, and ended up with close to a thirty yard reception on each of those occasions. So I don't know if Florida State's gonna have to put some of their more athletic linebackers out there, like Amari Gaynor, who would you know probably be better in, in that type of instance, but. Harlan Barnett's going to have to get something working, and I, that ain't it. I just don't know how that would even become a – I'm starting to get – I'm just getting a little entertained here, but I don't even know how in the hell that would even make sense to have Janarius Robinson go out in coverage on anybody, on anybody. <laughs> on Who was it Who was it a couple of years ago who would always be out in coverage and he would get beat continuously? There's always somebody – I forget who it was. Josh Sweat. Was it Sweat maybe? Sweat – I remember seeing Sweat in coverage a little bit. Pretty much every Florida State pass defender in recent memory is who you just named. Yeah, yeah. But some, <laughs> for some reason, there's some disease there that thinks that it's an amazing idea to have guys that are gigantic to go cover these guys that weigh 40 or even sometimes 50 pounds less than them um, and be like four feet taller than them. But anyways, go ahead, Fisher. I'm just going to keep on cutting in and give my yeah. thoughts. No, no, totally. You're good. Um, I mean, I'll just kind of give my thoughts on, on really what I – what I saw went wrong on Saturday with the defense as a whole, starting off with just watching Kando and Robinson just look so lost out in coverage. I, I can understand I can understand if you kind of want to just like try to drop them in the flats and uh, kind of control that area and, and patrol that. But as soon as they're dropping back, I mean, they just they haven't done it. That's not what they do. They haven't done that probably since middle school. Um, they've always been the, the, some of the biggest guys in the field, and they've always had their hand in the dirt, and, and they just look – <laughs> they look so unnatural covering. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think they know what they're supposed to do. They just can't do it. Um, and and I honestly, they're two towers. They're no, like no, no, two towers. They're, they're but, huge guys. You know, this isn't this isn't what they were were recruited to to do. They were recruited to be true hand down to defensive ends, and right, you know, the system is asking them to do something outside of their skill set. So right. it's hard to it's hard to ba- to blame the players when they're kind of being forced into the system. Yeah, no, yeah. that's not not on them now. It doesn't feel like they're being put in the best position to succeed. And then there's the ones that take the flag for it sometimes. Uh, I heard guys, you know, get on James, James Robinson. I'm just like he, he he can't cover little number 6. I can't remember his name and it doesn't matter anymore, but uh, <laughs> uh, and then kind of Going from there, just uh, so uh, the reasoning really behind Florida State's pitching two to three four this season is that there's a lot of concern about not being able to effectively rush the passer uh, just with 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 four linemen at a time bringing four guys, and so that's kind of why they made this move uh, was to utilize some of their guys like Amari Gaynor and Leonard Warner and Carlos Becker and uh, really use versatility and speed and agility to, to rush the passer instead of just relying on a guy like Brian Burns because you, you don't have a guy like that. Um, and so that was kind of the reasoning behind moving to 3-4. And they accomplished what they wanted to do and then just abandoned everything else. Uh, I think everyone is, is pretty pleased with their ability to, to rush the passer, getting six sacks. And, um, I mean, they probably could have had a few more. I mean, they Bachmeyer got hit. I can't even count how many times. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, drilled multiple times. And cre- credit to that guy. Sure. I mean, essentially a high schooler out there getting destroyed by Marvin Wilson and Josh Kando. Hats off, Bachmeyer. 
I think I said in the in the preview pod, if, if Bachmeyer can beat with his arm, then they probably deserve to win, and, and they did deserve to win. Bachmeyer is a stud, and he's going to be really good for them. Um, but Florida State got to the pass, got to the passer, and they rushed the passer well, um, and, and then just didn't do anything else right the entire game. Um, their deep, their front three, I think people felt really confident about their ability to to clog up holes and uh, cause some havoc. And at times they did that, but for the most part. Um, they didn't look like they really kept their assignments very well. Um, a lot of times you would see Boise State's offensive line get to the second level, uh, to the linebackers, uh, really easily. Um, yeah. And at that point, there's just nothing that the linebackers could do. Um, and so I, I think at times, you know, Florida State's D-line, Corey Durden and, and Marvin Wilson and Robert Cooper um, played really well. Um, but I don't think they really played their assignments well. Uh, and it kind of messed up the, their ability to stop the run. But one guy I do want to mention while I'm thinking about it, Dennis Briggs played really well. Um, Dennis Briggs had a few dominant stops, so kudos to him. I should have mentioned him when I was running down my list. Um, back to the bad stuff. Um, and, then, and, and then the linebackers. Uh, I've never seen Dontavious Jackson play as soft as he – tentative, I should say, as, as he did, as passive as he did, uh, as well as Jade Woodby. Um, Jaden Woodby is a guy I'm really kind of disappointed not to see him um, play really well just because he's a, he's a good player. Um, but like I said, these guys are just not being put in the best positions to succeed. Um, and it looked like they were both just uh, – I mean, this defense is supposed to be simple and it's supposed to just be read and react, but they looked like they were doing a whole lot of reading and not a whole lot of reacting. Uh, at times you would see guys lined up in the same gap, guys – uh, going to the same hole, trying to fill the same gap, even if they filled it all. Most of the times I just kind of saw them tiptoe. And, and then eventually they would just get washed out by a lineman who got there as soon as the, the running back was at the line of scrimmage. Um, and so it's really going to come down to can those guys run downhill. And, I mean, like they would have been better off if they just like picked a hole and just charged at it then even if they were just guessing than what they did the entire game. They probably had <laughs> more success just guessing the entire game than what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of moving on to the defensive backs, uh, you saw a lot of cover defense, or I should say a lot of zone defense, um, and they played it really poorly. Uh, at times, the corner would, would, they would play their zone and they would hit their guy, uh, and then they would play it right, they would kind of let their guy go, and at that point, it's the safety's responsibility to, to recognize that and close on that guy. There's one play uh, to close out the second half that kind of sticks out where uh, it's they completed like a 30-yard pass, and mm-hmm. Stanford Samuel bumps his guy and then kind of drops to where he should in his zone, and Levante Taylor is 20 yards away, yeah. and he's got to recognize. He's got to cover his zone and get to those guys. They're keeping um, their eye on the quarterback a lot. I yeah, so that. just to kind of sum up, you know, just – First of all, just alignments, guys not playing their assignments very well. And, and second of all, they played really passive at times, really soft, really tentative. Um, they would have been better just rushing nine guys every single time and just playing man-to-man than what they did. I, I truly believe that. So they really need to, to be a lot more aggressive going into Louisiana Monroe. Going- so I guess my question for you guys is, why the hell is Florida State running so much zone? The the defensive backfield is the most talented unit on the entire roster. It's filled with DBs that have the size to match up with tall receivers. 
they're physical. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, no, that's a good question. There's a ton of them back there. There's there's no reason that Florida State shouldn't be in man coverage, pressing receivers at the line of scrimmage and making them work to get open downfield. I mean, there was just too many spots open in that zone, and it didn't work. I, I don't think I don't think Florida State got a single pass interference on Saturday, and and that's a problem when you're not putting yourself in position to get a bad pass interference call. Then I don't think you're really playing yeah. cover defense down the field. I mean, they've got to be in receivers' grills in their face. If they get a bad pass interference call, so be it. Just go to the next play. At least you know you're playing physical football instead of what we saw on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Just get picked apart. Yeah, Florida State has, has a very talented defensive backfield. I mean, we're, when we're used to it, too, in the past, with Jalen Ramsey, Ronald Darby, P.J. Williams, uh, we're, we're used to seeing those guys be able to take care of their guys and man. But the zone thing, it just isn't working. I I would guess, in my opinion, you see a little bit of a change uh, this Saturday. I kind of want to go to something real quick, though. Uh, you were saying who was covering number six? You said Fisher? Uh, J-Rob. Okay. <laughs> just for just for <laughs> listeners, because I'm, 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 this is what heated me during the game. Because I, I, I watch it, because I was sitting in the Champions Club, so I was near the, I was like in zone view, so I could see who's covering who, what was working. I could see who was screwing up. But... Number six for Boise State is 5'8", 182 pounds, C.T. Thomas against Janarius Robinson, who's 6'5", 261. And you're putting the, you're, you're betting on Janarius Robinson with that size to cover a guy like that who's 5'8", 182 pounds. That's just silly, silly stupid. I mean, that we're calling breaking ankles. We're talking, you're just not going to get near him. Um, for that size, it just it's just kind of funny. So you you got to start right here is where and I had to start Sunday, watching film and getting that figured out immediately because that is not going to work with what the kind of size you have there at all and what you're going to try to do to, in order to keep uh, quarterbacks from just eating your your freaking defense up. All right, so moving on from that, that was enough. We got enough of the yeah, let's, <laughs> the silliness let's out. So now, Florida State's going to be playing Louisiana Monroe on Saturday in Doak Campbell Stadium at 5 p.m. This will be televised on ACC Network. Uh, depends on how many people are going to be watching that because some people that don't have Comcast aren't going to be able to watch it. But uh, there's there's some interesting things going on during the start of this practice week. Uh, wide receiver Treshawn Harrison, who we saw flashes from last year, is actually getting some reps at running back. I personally heard some rumors about this during the offseason. Uh, there were some rumbles about it. And then there's also a situation going on now with what we thought would be the third string running back with Anthony Grant. Uh, he was not dressed for the game or spotted at today's practice, which we were recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, I believe also uh, during fall camp and a little bit of the practice, Anthony Grant was also not seen at practice. Uh, so th- th- this is something to keep an eye on with Anthony Grant. He's a talented guy. And we, may- we mainly saw him at kick return last year. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on this and see where it's going there. But Treshawn Harrison is currently getting reps at running back. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I just think it's a way for Taggart to get another playmaker onto the field. I mean, I remember <clears throat> in the 2018 signing class when Willie Taggart first arrived at Florida State, his main offensive target that he wanted to land for the Seminoles was Treshawn Harrison out of Seattle. And obviously he got that done 
Treshawn Harrison came in last year as a true freshman. He didn't really make a ton of impact. He had that crazy touchdown against Boise State, the juke move, and then the spin into the end zone. So I think this is just a way for Taggart to get Harrison some more reps on the field and hopefully find a way for him to make an impact. Did This is a serious question. Did Treshawn Harrison play on Saturday? Um, he, did, he did play, but not a lot. I, I mean, I'm like He was never given the ball, no. I'm, I'm, he, yeah, he did not get a touch. Genuinely surprised at how little that I saw of Treshawn Harrison on Saturday. We saw more of Ontario Ontario Wilson than yeah. him. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is a move because there's something wrong with Grant and they are a little concerned about death, or if this is uh, if the wide receiver group is just so. I, I kind of I mentioned talking about Keyshawn Helton on the last podcast there just so many guys are going to be splitting reps in that wide receiver group um that it's kind of going to be a little tough for anyone besides terry to really stick out i think um and so maybe that's kind of the case here with trayshawn harrison maybe this is like y'all said kind of a way to to maybe get him on the field a little bit more and use him use him uh, a little bit more mm-hmm. and i i I want to get y'all's opinion too and this is we're done with the boise state junk and we're looking forward now to this saturday uh, I, I want to get y'all's opinion on uh, what really needs to change uh, for Florida State and what you need to see on the field that you would feel more optimistic about this team moving forward. This is a Power 5 school. Uh, this is Florida State. And, you know, with these kind of games right here with ULM coming here, this should be an absolute blowout. People should be leaving Should be leaving at halftime. The students should be gone. There shouldn't be anybody there. The Sanford game last year, a majority of everybody was still there, and that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how fans are used to that. It's just, it's just supposed to be, all right, blowing them out. I can go ahead and go home early, and I can watch the primetime game. That's how it used to be for me when I was younger. All right, cool. I'm going to get ready and go watch the big games. What do you all need to see on the field that should allow Florida State um, to have give you some optimis- optimism heading into the rest of the season? Really, uh, outside of seeing Florida State play a complete half of football, taking that first half we saw against Boise State and making it both halves, I really want to see Florida State's defense respond and just show show a pulse because they didn't have near one on, on Saturday. You're, you're looking at a ULM team that ran for 315 yards last week. Boise State put up over 200 in in Tallahassee a few days ago. So I want to see the run defense respond after really not finding much of a break against the Broncos. I want to see the defensive line and the linebackers not get dominated on seemingly every play. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. Um, On offense, I really need to see this offense run the ball. Uh, dominant. Uh, we know that they can throw. We know they can pass. We know that they have. They can throw the long ball. They can dink it out, do whatever they want. I, I want to see Cam Akers run the ball three, four yards at a time if he has to. I want to see Kalen Laybourne get a lot of touches. I really want to see this team establish themselves on the ground because when you get down to it, this offense is designed primarily to be able to run the ball. 
And so I want to see that happen. Um, and then on defense, I want to see them be able to stop the run. Um, I, I really want to see an aggressive, nasty defense. I want to see linebackers uh, taking one foot forward on every single play instead of uh, kind of dancing around a little bit. I want to see um, those three guys, Durden, Cooper, and Wilson, uh, dominate and and play to their assignments and not just feel like they need to like rush up field every single drive and get to the quarterback every single time and blow it up. Just be okay you know, taking on blocks and freeing up the linebackers to do their job because that was a huge issue in the game. And, and you, you know that the defensive backs can, can cover. It's just a matter of um, knowing their assignments and playing uh, their assignments well. You know that those guys are super talented. But there's a lot of concern about being able to stop the run. Um, and if you can't stop the run this year, they're, they're in a lot of trouble. So I want to see them be able to run the ball, establish the ground game, and also in turn stop the run on defense. So getting into a little bit more of Louisiana Monroe and what they're all about, they just faced the Grambling Tigers, and they beat them 31-9 to last Saturday. Uh, their quarterback, their starting quarterback, Caleb Evans, went 19-25, to 183 yards, uh, one touchdown and an interception. Uh, the interesting thing here, like I believe Fisher noted on, is the rushing attack that they bring to the table. Uh, Josh Johnson, uh, their running back there, went for 10 carries, 173 yards, and two touchdowns. He had a long of 51 yards. Uh, so, you know, tell me, y'all give me y'all's thoughts on, on Louisiana Monroe. And, you know, is this going to be a game in Tallahassee? Is Louisiana Monroe <laughs> going to be a threat to the Florida State Seminoles on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I really think so. Like you mentioned, Caleb Evans is a, has been a solid quarterback back there for ULM. Last season, he threw 16 touchdowns at 12 interceptions while also rushing for 778 yards and 10 touchdowns. So you have a true dual-threat quarterback coming into Tallahassee. It's going to be a good kind of <clears throat> warm-up for this Florida State defense before they head to Virginia in week three. So I think that's going to be imperative, obviously, shutting down the running game. And then you take a look over at the Warhawks defense, and they're returning eight starters from a season ago. So there's some veterans across that defense that could honestly make things interesting in, in Tallahassee. But we were talking about it before the podcast ULM is going to be missing one of their star defensive players, Kerry why, why, Starks. Why, why? Why Dustin? Why is he suspended? I was I was getting to it. I was getting to. It. I was I was introducing our our new friend Kerry <laughs> here. I'm just excited <laughs> to hear you talking about it. But Kerry <laughs> Starks, defensive end, he recorded five sacks a season ago and was expected to be a big contributor for ULM's defensive line. He has been he has been suspended indefinitely. For spitting, <laughs> sorry, not supposed to laugh. Spitting into the face of a Grambling State fan, and uh, supposedly, <laughs> yeah, that's not funny. <laughs> not funny at all. And uh, supposedly, get your last name. Tisher's laughing Suppo away. <laughs> oh my! I read something funny on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, of course you did. You're watching the he comedy also... show corner. Of the guy. <laughs> yeah. He also supposedly punched a Grambling State player earlier in the game. So, hmm. yeah, he he's... he will not be making the trek down to Tally. So he's got a rage issue, or 
He's just a nasty kind of guy. He's like he's like kind of like a perfect. Who? There's another guy that's really nasty. That, well, no. I mean, darn. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. I'm trying to think like another like nasty guys that are in the NFL that I can relate him to, just to say, hey, you might stop a chance. Pac- Pac- Pac-Man Jones. Like Sue. The whole Albert Cincinnati Ames. defense, maybe. Uh, <laughs> who's the guy that played for uh, the Cowboys and the Panthers, and now he's like a WWE superstar? Or no, he's like in the UFC. I uh, wouldn't be able to tell you about that one. Man. I Greg Hardy? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Hardy, yeah. There we go. Yeah. So sadly, Love he won't. So sadly, all, every, right. all the fans that are near the bottom of the bowl and Doak this season don't have to worry. You will not be spat on. Um, <laughs> if you're sitting on the off season, on the uh, opposite side of the home team, um, that's good info there. So what? Are the, <laughs> that's good info. <laughs> we spent way too much time talking about. That. I think I think Dustin definitely wanted to hit that one on there real quick. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, just no, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. Just summing it up, I really think that this game will end up being closer than many expect because honestly I think ULM is a little underrated and they're definitely a football team that's going to make a bowl game in 2019 isn't that just interesting to hear I mean mm, mm. I mean anybody listening to this that just heard that that's just I mean it's it's pretty much true from what we've had last season of course and to what you saw last Saturday yeah because you're still going to have the heat if that's going to be the problem in the second half and the heat's the problem and mentally you're gone then you're looking at another game where it could be pretty decent with Louisiana Monroe, who can run the ball. But it, it's just it's just interesting to me. I like kind of just sit back and hear it. And I mean, we're talking about Louisiana Monroe against Florida State. It just I don't know. It's it well, amazes me. We were talking about Samford and Florida State last season. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I keep having there's nightmares. People are gonna have nightmares Friday night thinking about yeah, so, Samford. I think it's. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think Florida State is going to have a hard time beating Monroe, but I'm also not confident enough to say that they won't. Um, <laughs> Florida State opened as a 21 point favorite. Um, that may have moved a little bit, um, but 21 points is pretty solid. Um, not what you'd like to see from a t- typical Florida State ULM matchup. It feels like ULM plays in Doak like every two years. Um, I don't know if y'all feel that. Them and Lafayette, or and um, yeah. yeah, it's a budding rivalry for sure. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully they'll get their, their not hopefully, but maybe they'll get their first rivalry. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> you, just followers. you just lost followers. You just lost followers. There goes your uh, clout. Fisher, it's your Twitter cloud. Ran it back in. Ran it back in. That was that was a joke. Um, <laughs> anyway, I mean, I, I expect Florida State to, to handle ULM uh, pretty well. Um, I, I really don't anticipate this being like a, a Sanford game last year. Um, I'm not saying that you won't see ULM make some plays, and I, I'm I'm sure that Florida State will um, not really necessarily be where they need to be on defense, and so I think you could see ULM score a few times, but. Ultimately, Florida State, their offense is going to get back in rhythm. And I think that they are just going to score a bunch of points. Hopefully, Terry has a couple touchdowns. Hopefully, we see Kalen score his uh, first touchdown of his career on Saturday. I think that would be really awesome. Um, so, I expect Florida State to, to handle ULM well uh, on Saturday. 
I want to give just a couple thoughts on that game too. Uh, I, it's it's interesting to me because I go back and look at the Sanford game and saw what happened and how we were all on the edge of our seat there in Doak wondering if Sanford was actually going to shock uh, the country. Florida State was about to be on national media everywhere and lose to them. Um, and it's it's I don't know. I don't know. It just depends on how Florida State and their coaching and how they make changes throughout this week and they have to watch a lot of film it's more of you know Florida State gets better for next week and watching a lot of film and drinking a lot of water and that's how they're <laughs> gonna be that's how it's gonna have to be in order to play on Saturday and last and two two halves and all of a game uh and this this rushing problem is probably going to be a problem on Saturday uh Josh Johnson and they even have a guy, Isaiah Phillips, to keep an eye on that you know will bring probably a lot of situations that Florida State is going to have to make some changes to during the game. Linebackers are going to have to be able to do their jobs. Uh, and that's why I think this week film is going to be key uh, on watching these guys. You know, like I, And we've heard it from the last couple of years, too. I mean, this is Florida State. People come into Doak, uh, and this is pretty much their Super Bowl. Um, and we saw what do we see with Tennessee uh, this past weekend? Um, they're they're going to come in full force, uh, and they know kind of Florida State's a little vulnerable right now. There's a lot of talking going on uh, behind the scenes with just the fan base and being kind of all over the place against their head coach and the coaching staff. That they're going to bring it. Uh, so I, I think this this will be a pretty interesting game. I think offensive wise, though, I think. The good thing to look at is that James Blackman, your biggest leader in years, is there at the helm, and I think the offense will be pretty fine. You just got to you got to see some upgrades there on defense with Harlan Barnett. Uh, there's got to be some kind of improvements uh, against ULM, Louisiana Monroe Warhawks. <laughs> oh lord! Yeah, and even even though Florida State will probably end up winning this game, and unless something really disastrous happens. Uh, like I mentioned before, I just think this is a good a good uh, warm up for Florida State to play play a team that's going to be focused on running the ball and that's also going to have a mobile quarterback because heading into Week Three, you're traveling up to Virginia. They've got a veteran quarterback in Bryce Perkins who can both throw the ball and run with his legs. And Virginia also ran the ball 33 times against Pittsburgh. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like a whole lot after Boise State ran 106 total plays against Florida State, but we probably won't see another offense get that kind of play number against the Seminoles this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we're, we're going to have a pretty interesting preview about Virginia next week uh, Next week because I've had them noted on my schedule since for a couple months now. It's, it's going to be a tough game for Florida State. But I want to go ahead and jump right now into some score predictions. Uh, we're looking at about an hour on the ticker. I think it's time to go ahead and give our score predictions for Florida State versus ULM. Is there anybody that wants to take it first? They're, I mean, they're playing in the same heat. It's going to probably even be hotter, 95, at least 95, 96 degrees out there. It looks straight sunny, too, so it's going to feel about 105. Um, I'm just laying it out there. But uh, they're going to play at 5 o'clock on ACC Network. Um, This will be Florida State's second 
uh, home game of the season before they face Virginia away. What do you guys have? Who wants to take it first? Score predictions since we're all zero and one right now. <laughs> and we're going to start keeping count, actually. Hey, go ahead. Zero and one. And then we're going to start making count. And whoever wins at the end of the season, um, we'll figure that out after this podcast. <laughs> Dustin, you got it. All right. Well, I really think we're going to see Florida State bounce. I guess I guess you can call it bounce back against UL Monroe, as expected. Um, I think we'll see the Seminoles put together a more complete game. It's not going to be perfect. There's still going to be sloppiness in areas at times. But I think offensively, it's going to be less predicated on the the random big plays that Florida State hit on because you're not going to be able to count on those all the time. And they're going to be more focused on sustaining drives, focusing on the run game. And honestly, I really believe Florida State's going to get at least 200 yards on the ground this weekend and James Blackman is going to throw for 250 in the air. Um, defensively, Florida State's still going to struggle against the run, but it's going to look it's going to look cleaner than it did a week ago. And through the air, I think the defensive backs will also be in the right areas more than they were against Boise State. Um, ULM doesn't have the the kind of passing game or the the skill players at receiver. Um, like the Broncos did. So I don't think, well, I don't want to say that because then they'll come out here and throw for 400 yards. But I think Florida State will have an easier time handling ULM through the air. How so many, what, all in all, what? Real quick, did you predict, Did you how many yards for James Lachman? At least 250. Mm, at but least. I think Florida State will get at least 200 rushing yards on the ground between Akers and LeBourne. Okay. So that's that's really the big one because FSU didn't have a game last year where they got over 110 yards on the ground. So I'm really expecting a, <clears throat> an outburst on Saturday against the Warhawks. But all in all, I think Florida State will come out of the game with a 41 to 24 victory. Mm. Okay. I and, and uh, I'll wait. I'll wait till it's my turn. I don't have a lot of patience. <laughs> It could um, be your turn. Go ahead. No, if you want, I'll I'll go. I'll let Fisher have late. You know, he's over here making us record at eleven thirty at night. No worries. I don't have class. I don't have class early in the morning. No worries. Don't worry about it. Um, I I am. Just give me a second there. <laughs> give me a second there, real quick. Uh, that's not a good sign, though. Uh, I kind of noted on earlier. Uh, I think I think Louisiana Monroe is going to come and be ready to play. I don't think there's going to be a lot of the fan base there in Doak. I don't think there's going to be a lot of people until they start showing some progress and some improvement. I don't think a lot of people are going to be at that game. I wouldn't expect at five o'clock. Hot as hell. There's going to be some good games going on this weekend. Um, and I do think the offense is definitely going to show up for Florida State. I think James Blackman doesn't throw for only three, two, at least 250. It's going to be 350, uh, and maybe even more than that. Uh, I think the offense has a good game here. Uh, Defensive-wise, I, I, it's hard watching film and making those changes real quick in one week. Uh, I think 
they'll get their hang of it this week. Maybe they'll be sloppy, like you said, Dustin. But going into Virginia, that's maybe where you'll see some better uh, improvement and better product. Uh, if I'm, I'm kind of I'm going off the top of my head here, and I'm just looking at stats from the game with Grambling uh, that they had uh, the Tigers over there. I, I'm, I'm going to predict Florida State, and I'm going to predict Florida State 38, uh, Louisiana Monroe. 28. It's going to be a little bit more closer. And let, I'm, I'm going to go with it. I, I feel like that's going to be the way. I, I just don't see enough answers, and we didn't see it last year. And unless they can make that change in the first week, Louisiana Monroe had a great game, or had a great game running that ball. I mean, I'm looking at Josh Johnson: ten carries, 173 yards, two touchdowns, and. Florida State, like we talked about during this whole podcast, Florida State has no linebackers. There's no <laughs> linebackers. Am I wrong? There's no that linebackers. Funny. They, uh, so go ahead, Fisher, all you. Yeah. Um, I feel like I feel a little bit more confident about this game than you all do. Um, I, I think that James Blackman is going to um, – I really think that the run is going to be more of an em- emphasis in this game. I think they're going to use the use the pass to, to probably throw a few deep balls, but uh, overall, I think they they're really going to key on and establishing the run game and kind of building confidence with the offensive line and kind of building uh, more continuity among them. And, and um, I really do think Kalen Laybord's going to score his first, his first career touchdown. Um, I, for some reason, I have this feeling that Tiger is saying, "Let's give four the ball." Um, only touched it three times on Saturday, and, and a guy as talented as he is, he had one carry for for a, a touch or not a touchdown uh, one run that stuck out in my mind that went for a first first uh first down um and he looks a lot like uh, a, a guy who used to wear number four uh when he's when he's running the ball at, at times oh. so that's just a guy that you got to get put the ball in his hands um so i'm expecting to see cam leborn have a nice day hopefully i expect cam Akers to also have a nice day um and i have florida state winning 48 to 21 okay Forty-eight to twenty-one. Who's the who's the offensive player of the game, Fisher? Oh, offensive player of the game. Uh, I'll go. I'll go. Cam. I think Kalen's gonna have a nice day, but ultimately, Cam's your RB one. Um, so he's gonna get probably the bulk of, of the carries, and I think he's gonna have a nice day. Okay. And Dustin, what's your bold statement about this game on Saturday for the Knolls? <laughs> this is this is hard one. This is you got to think off the top of your head, but this is why we do hear the spear. <laughs> this is why you're here, Dustin. A bold statement right off the top. There's got to be something that's like trickling out there that you've been thinking about all the last four days since that. My statement. bold statement: cover the damn receivers. Cover the receivers. I got I got one. Not a single player will cramp on Saturday. Whoa. Jesus. I'm not making that one. (laughs) I'm going for it. Wow. (laughs) I'm going for it. Wow, 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 wow. My prediction. You you know they came back in from the game on Saturday, and they were just chugging pickle juice. For sure. (laughs) You better have been doing this whole week. Better have been doing this whole week. Well, unless you all have anything else to say. Nope. 
that's pretty much going to do it for the rest of this podcast. Uh, we This will be interesting. This is an interesting weekend. I think it's more interesting to me than maybe the two other guys on here. Uh, we, we're going to see a lot of answers. We thought, it, we thought this game against Boise State would tell us, I mean, it told us, but it seems like, you know, there was one, it's very confusing because Florida State had a great first half last weekend and then it fell apart. So if this team can put it all together, they could actually be a pretty special team and compete in the ACC. Uh, but uh, we'll see what happens against Louisiana Monroe on Saturday at 5 o'clock. As always, guys, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. You can also follow us on Twitter at Hear the Spear. If you're on iTunes, feel free to rate us five stars. It helps with growing the podcast. And you can also uh, throw in some things that you'd like us to talk about. Um, and we always appreciate you guys listening so much. Uh, after this game on Saturday, We'll most likely be recording an instant reaction on Sundays. I know you guys like those, so we're going to try to give that to you guys uh, on Sunday as soon as possible. Uh, And, uh, yeah, we'll do full game coverage on Twitter uh, from one of us uh, talking about the game, game uh, play-by-play, and uh, all of that kind of jazz. We have a lot of content coming to you guys this week also. So, as always, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys, and we'll talk to you guys on Sunday after the Louisiana Monroe and Florida State matchup. Mama told me not to say